How are we doing, Rich Church? Awesome. Hey, uh, my name is Bobby. I'm one of the pastors uh, here at the Ridge. We're so glad you're with us today. Uh, we're kicking off this brand new series on uh, Advent, and you can pretty much set your calendar to this. When Advent starts, we start an Advent series here at the Ridge. It's just something that we that we do. We'll talk a little bit about that in just a moment. But uh, before we do that, if you have your phone, grab it. It's okay. You can grab it, pull it out uh, right now, and uh, you don't have to hold it up. We're not doing a, a concert here, but uh, you can uh, you can grab it. I'm just holding it up to show you a phone. So uh, how many of you have the Ridge Church app on your phone? Now you can hold it up. Okay, cool. A lot of, a lot of you. A lot of people in the first service did too. Uh, if you didn't know, we do have a, a smart uh, phone app uh, that you can download for free. You either go to, uh, if you have an iPhone or Android, either way, uh, search the Ridge Church or the Ridge Community Church. I'm not sure which way it'll show. I think it shows up differently in each app store, but you can search it. Uh, you can actually find a link to it on our website too. Uh, if you want, but um, if you have that app, go ahead and open it up. It's been redesigned. It looks a little bit differently, uh, so when you first pull it up and you open it, it's going to open up to the sermon section, and then right beside that, down on the bottom, it says read, and you can click on that, and it kind of gives you uh, our blog feed, which is the ridgechurchblog.com, so if you don't have the app, you can just type that into your browser if you want, but at the very top there, it says today at Ridge Church. If you click on that, and then at the bottom, it'll say read more or view original. You can click on that, and it'll open up the whole thing, but uh, what that is, is, is everything that you really need to know today. Like, there's all kinds of stuff there. Uh, any announcements that we're going to make today, like, there's the information for you there. Uh, all the sermon notes are there. Scriptures that we're going to use today, it's all right there. Uh, you can click to give right there. And then even the songs and the artist of the songs that we sang today. So, like, if you're ever like, oh, what was that song? Like, you can just open that up and, and look at it. Or you're like, what was that scripture? You can go back, you know, during the week and look at that. Or you can follow along uh, right where you're at right now uh, along with that as well. So, uh, just something that that we wanted to put in your hand, something that you'll have uh, each Sunday from now on and, and that you can just open up and, and follow along with. Um, on Thanksgiving, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I guess it was, on Thanksgiving, I was watching a little bit of football. Anybody watch football on Thanksgiving? Like, it's just part of it. Like, okay, like three of you. What is wrong with you people? Okay, all right, there's, okay, there we go. A little more. All right, so like, uh, I love watching a little bit of football on Thanksgiving. It's just kind of, you know, what you do on, for me at least, uh, what, part of what we do on Thanksgiving. And so I was watching some football and during the, like the, the 20 hours of coverage that they do before a game, you know, like I'm listening to a couple of the announcers talk and they're kind of talking about the holidays and how a lot of these players, you know, they're, they're going to be traveling for the holidays, right? They, they might have a game on Christmas or they, uh, some of them obviously had a game on Thanksgiving. And so I actually did an interview with a guy and they were talking to him, one of the players and they were asking, him, they said, so, you know, you're, you're traveling like during the holidays and so you're not home at Christmas, you're not home at Thanksgiving, you're playing this this sport that, that you've been blessed to be able to play. And, and he asked an interesting question. He said, he said, so how do you go about not missing Christmas because of your job, right? And I thought about that. Like, and he, he gave an answer or whatever, you know, but uh, I thought about that question. He said, how do, you, how do you not miss Christmas? And I thought, I was like, is that even possible? Can you, can you even miss Christmas, I mean, like, could, could, could you possibly even miss Christmas? And if you think about it, like, think, think just about this season and what it is. How many of you have already been to some kind of Christmas party already, or your kids have one? All right, there's, I see some of you. Like, how many of you are going to one at some point, right? Uh, so a lot, of, a lot of us. How many of you have been to a, a parade? Anybody been to a parade so far? How many of you are going to a parade? Oak Ridge Parade's next week, all right? So, like, there's all of these things happening, right? There's, like, Christmas music. There's, you know, your kids have, like, 30 Christmas pageants and choir concerts and Christmas parties and office parties and parades and I'm tired already. Like, I mean, there's just like all of this stuff 
going on around Christmas. And so, like, if you think about it, you're like, how is it even possible to miss Christmas? And, and so I thought about that for a little bit, and I was like, you know, it is actually possible, I think, for us to miss Christmas. And here's why I knew it was possible for us to miss Christmas. Because a few years ago, I, I, I woke up one day and felt like that I'd missed Christmas. It was actually, it was like, uh, it was, I can't remember if it was uh, Christmas Day later in that day, or maybe it was the day or two after Christmas Day, it was a couple of years back, but I, but I remember like just, like just going and going and going, and everything was just, you know, crazy and busy, and church, and all, all this stuff, you know, shopping, and everything that, that goes on around Christmas, and then I remember just, you know, taking a step back for a moment, and going, what just happened? Like, there's a lot of empty boxes and wrapping paper, and I feel full from eating all this food, and I feel tired from being busy, and I, I did a lot of things, and we experienced a lot of things, but, but really, what just, like, where did Christmas go? You ever, you ever been there? You just, you just get there to that point, point. you're just like, what, like, did I miss something here? And so I, there was a part of me that kind of felt like that, that I'd missed a part of experiencing the season of Christmas. And so the last thing that, that we want for you and the last thing that I want for me and for my family this, this season is for it to be 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock on, on Christmas Day and you're standing in six foot deep of, you know, wrapping paper and empty boxes and you're just sitting there going, what just happened? Like, where did, where did Christmas, where did Christmas go if you're looking at the Christmas stories we're going to do today, we're going to look at different parts of the, of the Christmas story and, and ways that people around and, and in the, the, the story of Christmas, the story of the coming of Christ, how, how they actually missed the big picture. How they actually missed what was actually taking place uh, around them. And so if you're taking notes, a couple of things that, that we can write down. We're going to skip, uh, skip through a lot of different scripture today. And so uh, follow along on the screen behind me. Or if you uh, have your app open, you can actually see the scripture right there in front of you as well. But uh, there's two common ways that I think that, that we can miss Christmas that are actually found right here in the middle of the Christmas story. And the first one is, is because of busyness or distractions. First one is because busyness or distractions. Uh, if you're familiar with the Christmas story, if you've heard it before, I, I think a lot of us have, have heard the Christmas story in some way, shape, form, or fashion before. But, but the Christmas story is actually an amazing story in and of itself that, that we see right in Scripture. There's uh, a part where there's this girl, her name is Mary. And Mary is actually like this middle school girl. Like she's very, very young. You see some of these nativities sometimes, and, and Mary looks like that she's about 80 years old or something. That's like that's not accurate at all and Jesus is a seven-year-old you know like the baby laying in a manger I'm like that's weird like he should be younger you know so like uh, I mean you, you kind of see that both Mary and Joseph were actually quite young uh, when uh, when Jesus comes about when Mary becomes pregnant and so uh, what happens is, is is Mary is visited by an angel of God comes down and says Mary I've got some great news for you that you're gonna find really weird but you're gonna have God squeeze me like she's like what I, I don't uh, did, could you say that again like and he's like no no no. listen I have good news for you you are going to have a baby and you're going to name him Emmanuel which means God with us in other words the angel was saying God will be birthed in the flesh through you Jesus Christ the savior of the world 
And so that news right there, which was absolutely amazing in and of itself, I mean, you can put all the, you know, kind of like what's going on there, right? And so that, that whole thing. Well, then there's Joseph, who she is engaged to, to be married to, right? And so an angel visits Joseph and gives Joseph that, that same news. And then God does something really amazing as he orchestrates, because he, he has to line all of this up with the prophecy from the Old Testament, right? There's all of these prophecies pointing that, that were spoken and written hundreds of years before this would take place that would really lay out the whole path for this to happen. And so the Savior was to be born in a place called Bethlehem. And so Mary and Joseph had to travel from where they were, and they had to travel to Bethlehem. And so in order for that to happen, God had to orchestrate some things. And so he had Caesar Augustus put together a census, meaning that everybody had to go to the town that they were from in order that they could be counted. That's amazing in and of itself. And so Mary and Joseph, they travel uh, several miles on the back of a donkey, right? Like, and if you're, like, ladies, you ever been pregnant before and, you, you know, you've carried, you know, children that whole bit, like, you know, you get to that, you're like nine plus months pregnant and you're riding on the back of a donkey. Mary's probably not happy, right? I mean, she's just not, she's not going well for her, right? But that's what happens. So they, they go to Bethlehem and they get to Bethlehem. And when they get to Bethlehem, they roll up to the hotel, right, to the inn. And they go in, go check with the innkeeper, and the innkeeper gives them some really bad news. Like, there's no room here. There's no vacancy. Like, everybody is coming to Bethlehem to be counted for the census, and so we have no room for you here. But good news for you, there's a manger down the street with a lot of animals in it, and it stinks, and it's messy, and it's cold, and it's, you know, a whole bit, but you could probably go down there, right? And so they find themselves in the manger, and this is where Jesus is born. This is where we're going to pick up the story. Check this out. Luke chapter 2, verse 7 says this. Let me get there just a second. There we go. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Now think about this. This is if you you can like skip over this and, and you can actually miss something here. The innkeeper missed Jesus because he was busy and distracted. The innkeeper missed possibly the greatest opportunity of his life because of there was no vacancy that the inn was full. He had no idea who he was snubbing. Busyness caused him to miss his greatest opportunity to meet God, to be used by God, to be part of history. And instead, the innkeeper becomes the person that, that missed Jesus. But what I also find interesting here is that it's foreshadowing of what is to come for Jesus. That later, when he gets to be older, that he is also, not only is he rejected a place to stay in the inn, he is also rejected as the Savior. And so it's a, a foreshadowing, it's a picture of, of what is actually to come for Jesus later on, that those that he would be closest to would reject him as well. And so something to consider, all of us to consider for this season, something to think about. Are we too busy to make room for Jesus this season? Are we too busy to make room for Jesus this season? Because if you think about it, like, like some of you are going to break out into sweats when I start talking about this. Like, you've got to go visit family, right? And not just like one place, you've got to go like 40 places, right? And so like Christmas just comes and goes because you're on the road all the time. So there's that whole family thing. And then let's toss in the fact that you probably don't like half the family that you're going to go visit, right? 
And there's that part of it, right? And, and, you know, maybe they don't like you either. I don't know. And so there's that, that whole tension, right? And so there's, there's the travel. There's the cooking. There's the gift buying. Buying gifts for people that you love, people that you don't know, and people that you don't like, right? And so, like, there's, there's that whole bit of the, that, right? The cooking, the travel, the, the, the family. There's all of these things that can easily distract us from what's really going on. And so I ask this question because I think it's an important question. Are, are we too busy to make room for Jesus this season? Does he even make our plans? Does he even make our plans? Does he make our, our budgets? Does he make our thoughts this season? Or, or are we just going to put it off until, you know, until maybe Christmas Day, maybe Christmas Eve? Or Christmas Eve Eve, 7 o'clock at the Grove Theater. You like how I put that in there? It's good, right? Um, are we just going to put it off until then? Because we've got too much to do until we get to that point. It's like, you know what, when I get to Christmas Eve, when I get to Christmas Day, when I get to Christmas morning or whatever, I get time to actually take a step back and breathe for a second. Well, then I'll really, I'll really get into this whole Christmas thing. Are we too busy for Jesus? You see, the, the, we can very easily be so distracted and so busy during this season that we don't make room to meet with God. The second thing, another common way that, that we miss Christmas that's also found here in the Christmas story is that, that this story can be so familiar that we skip over it, that we miss it, that we forget the importance of it, that the story itself is, is, is familiar to us. Because here's the thing, it's not like Christmas is a new thing, is it? Like, the, the, uh, the longer you've lived, the, the more Christmases you have experienced for yourself. So, like, Christmas is not a new thing for us. Christmas is something that, that we just do. Like, it happens every year, December 25th, right? We know that. And, and for some, like, Christmas, like, the preparations for Christmas begins in September, right? Like, every year, right? And the next year it'll begin in August. And, you know, so, like, it's it earlier and earlier. But, like, Christmas is not a new thing for us. It's something that happens all the time. We've heard it before. We've heard the stories. We've heard the songs. We've seen the traditions. You know, we've been there. We've done that. We can become so familiar with something that it doesn't give us that sense of awe anymore. Do you still get the sense of awe with Christmas? Like, think about it for a second. Like, this Christmas, like, what is actually taking place here in this story, does it... Does it give you a feeling of awe anymore? Or is it just kind of like, eh, it's Christmas, we do it, it happens, you know, let's get it over with, you know? Or is it something that does something in us? And I'm not talking about the gifts, I'm not talking about the food. All of those are well and good, those are fine, I love those things too. But I'm talking about the fact that Jesus Christ came to be with us. And his name, Emmanuel, that's what it means, God with us. My, my kids, they, um, you've heard me talk about this before, I think, but my, my kids, they love fireworks. Anybody love fireworks in here? How many of you just like to blow stuff up? Like, it's not really the fireworks. Okay, uh, more hands just went up. All right, that's cool. So, like, I mean, like, like, we, like fireworks, like, I, here's the thing about fireworks for me. I don't really get into fireworks. Like, fireworks aren't a thing for me. Um, but my kids, they love them. And we, every year when we go on vacation, we go to this place, and they, they shoot fireworks off, like, almost every day. And, like, that's one of the things that my kids look most forward to is they look forward to, to seeing the fireworks. And, and I've caught myself in the last couple of years, like, as the fireworks are going off, like, I'm just kind of, like, 
I'm not really paying attention to the fireworks. And I love watching my kids because when my kids see the fireworks, they're just like, oh, like, I mean, they're just like mesmerized by it, right? Like, it's just awesome. And, and so that's kind of fun. But for me, like, I see the fireworks, I'm just like, eh, I've seen them before, right? Like, how many, how many shapes can a firework make, you know, before you're like, oh, it's so awesome. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't do, it just doesn't do anything for me anymore. Because here's the thing, they're familiar. I've seen them. I've done that. My kids, they're, you know, they're four and they're seven. They've not experienced it as nearly as long as, as I have. And so to them, it's still something great. And I hope that it always is for them. But Christmas can kind of be like that for us, can't it? It's like, ah, done it. You know, it's the same thing every year. Go to the same places, do the same things, eat the same food, you know, have the same arguments, right? Get the same frustrations, clear the same bank account. Like, you know, like we just, you know, max the same credit cards out. Like we still, it's just it's the same thing every year, right? Going to the same place. Like, so it's, it becomes this, this cycle of things for us. And then it's kind of like we just get to a point where it's like, ah, eh, it's whatever. It's Christmas. Well, if we're not careful, Christmas can become so familiar to us that, that we just kind of skip through it. We just kind of skip through it. You know, a, a couple of years ago, about the same time that this whole just reanimation of, of what Christmas is to me came about, uh, one of the things that, that I thought about also was Christmas songs. How many of you love Christmas songs? Like, l- legitimately, you like, oh, wow, like, you guys, that's more than the first service. There's like two people in the first service. They're sinners, you know, they, it doesn't, you know, whatever, but, so like Christmas music, like legitimately love Christmas music. Like I, I used to, I, I used to be in a place where I didn't really care too much for Christmas music because it's like, ah, uh, you kind of heard it before, right? Like you how many times can you hear the same Christmas song done 12 different ways, right? It's still like, it's the same words, it's kind of the same melody, it's kind of the same thing, you kind of, you kind of heard it before, right? Um, and that was kind of where I was at. But then a couple of years ago, about the same time that, that this new love for like Christmas um, came about for me is that uh, I started to notice Christmas music differently. And not necessarily like the music, but like the words. Like if you ever just like listen to the words of whether it be like classic Christmas, I'm talking about stuff that talks about Jesus, by the way, not none of that rocking around the Christmas tree junk. Like that's fine, well and good, you do that, but don't bring that junk in my house. All right, so like, like you, I'm, I'm talking about like I'm kidding, I love that stuff too, but I'm talking like, like, like just like just the uh, the stuff about Jesus. I'm talking about like even like today, you know, today we sing angels we have heard on high. Think about that. Like just that that line in and of itself. Like how many times have we heard that song and just be like, ah, whatever, you know? But angels we have heard on high. It's a, this song about how the shepherds are just doing their deal. They're in this field. They're they're doing their job. They're like doing your job like on a Tuesday afternoon, right? And they're just doing their deal. They're just minding their own business. And then all of a sudden, these angels show up in the middle of their work day. And it's like, we've got amazing news for you that the Savior has been born. Because they've been waiting for this for hundreds of years. And it meant something to them. So that line, angels we have heard on high, like even that, like I I think about that and I take a step back from that for just a moment and think about the importance of that and it means something different to me now. Like it, it feels different. 
But these things can become so familiar to us that that we just skip uh, right over them. And this is the mistake that the religious leaders made uh, when Jesus was born. If you look at the Christmas story in and of itself, there were no religious leaders invited to the birth of Jesus. There were no pastors there. There were no deacons there. Not that they would be anyway. There were no elders there. I'm just kidding. Uh, so like like there were no rich kid directors there. Like I mean like none of that. No no offense, Darren. But like they were not, none of that was was taking place. No religious leaders were there. Why weren't, why weren't they there? Well, they weren't there because this wasn't the first time that they had heard about a Messiah being born. Jesus was not the, the first person to come along that, that people were like, oh, there's the Messiah. You see, this had actually been happening for a long time. That the babies would be born, people would come along, like people would be, you know, walking on up into the temple and be like, what's up, I'm the Messiah. And they'd be like, well, whatever, man. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this was not the first time that this had happened. But here's, here's what set Jesus apart from the others, is that the birth of Christ actually fit in line with every prophecy from the Old Testament. None of the others did. But yet... Because it was so familiar to the religious leaders, they didn't think anything about it. In fact, the wise men, uh, the the story tells us that wise men saw something in the sky. We kind of always think about it as a star. Maybe it was, but it was something in the sky, and they, they went to check it out. And, and what they did is as they followed that thing in the sky that was leading them to where Jesus was, they get to Herod, who was kind of over the, the, the Roman rule over that province. They get to Herod, and the first question that they asked Herod was, hey, where is the Savior? And Herod, he had no idea. He, had no, he didn't even know anything was going on. And so Herod, he, he calls in his own wise men and, and chief priests, and, and, he, and he calls them in to ask them some, que- some questions. And, and so let's look at this, Matthew chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. It says this, And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. You see, they'd been discussing this and debating this for thousands of years. A lot of people, they'd been familiar with this. Even they knew all the details of what was taking place, but yet they were unimpressed. They were unimpressed. Bethlehem, here's the crazy thing. They didn't rush out to go see the Savior. And Bethlehem was only a five-mile walk from where they were. They would rather debate the Savior than actually go see the Savior. You see, this, this can happen to us, and we don't even realize it. It's like, oh, I've seen it all. I've, I've heard this story. I, I've read that one. I, I did Christmas before. And, and so it becomes so familiar that we miss worshiping Jesus as Savior, His coming, anticipating His second coming, and we end up missing the importance of the season. So how do we not miss this? How do we take a step back and become more aware of Jesus this Christmas season? Three things. We'll close. First thing that we have to do is that we have to stop di- distracting ourselves. We have to stop distracting ourselves. We, we have to become intentional about this season. We have to become intentional. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. Listen to me when I say this. It's really important. You will not naturally just celebrate the birth of Jesus. Because everything in our culture pulls us away from that. Anybody see the memo from UT this week? Like, uh, we will not naturally worship Jesus. We will not naturally celebrate the Christmas season. Everything in our culture is pulling us away from that. 
And so we have to be intentional about it to be able to do it. Listen to what Psalm 46.10 says. You've maybe heard this before, but it's really important for this season. It says, be still and know that I am God. Like, for us to be still, there's some intentionality there. He goes on, he says, I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted in the earth. When we are still, when we slow down, when we take a step back. That's why I love Advent so much. Like just the, the tradition of Advent, lighting of the Advent candles and, and doing Advent devotionals even. Is that this causes us to take a step back for a moment and to consider the hope and the joy of the season. Causes us to slow down and not be so distracted. Absolutely enjoy the activities of Christmas, but be intentional about making space for Jesus. Because here's the thing, and you probably know this to be true for you as well, is that I have never once in my life regretted a minute of spending time getting to know Jesus. I've never regretted a moment of that. But you know what I have regretted before? the times that I have wasted my, my time and distracted myself with things that don't matter. Like, it's all, have a hobby, do fun things, recharge about it. Like, that's, that's all fine, well, and good, but we have to be intentional about making space for God, especially in this season, because we will not naturally drift in that direction. So that's number one, is we have to stop distracting ourselves. Number two is we have to focus on why Jesus came. We have to focus on why Jesus came, because the why makes all of the difference. The why makes all of the difference. Um, one of the things I, I, I enjoy, because it's, it's, it's become different almost every year, but we're getting to a place where it's becoming a little more routine, and my kids are picking up on it, which is great. But I'll ask them every year, usually multiple times during this season, is, hey, what is, why do we celebrate Christmas? Like, what, is, what does Christmas mean? Why do we celebrate Christmas? And, you know, sometimes it's, you know, the gifts. Sometimes it's, you know, different things around. You know, we get presents, and that's, that's all well and good. But it always gives us a moment to say, hey, let's not forget, here's why we celebrate Christmas. Because Jesus came to be with us. He came to live amongst us. He, God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. Uh, he gives us a moment to, to talk about that for a minute and, and to remind not only our kids of that, but remind ourselves of that. And here, here's what I know to be true, is that as a follower of, of Jesus, as a follower of Christ, as a Christian myself, but also as a parent, if my kids don't know the answer to this, then I have failed as a parent. I have failed as a parent. And, and maybe you think about your kids and you're like, oh no, maybe I'm failing as a parent. You still got time. You still got time. You can start now. I always, you, you ever do this? You, you ever hear people like on TV or news and things like that? They, they get asked these questions. They say, hey, what does Christmas mean to you? You, ever, you, you know those questions, right? And you kind of get you know, this montage of people saying Christmas means this and it means that. And a lot of the answers are around you know, the peripheral type things, the gifts and the family and the food and the, you know, the togetherness and the traditions and all that's well and good and stuff. Like That's fine. Nothing wrong with that. I think those things are great. Do those things by all means. But I always lean in a little bit closer because I'm waiting to, to hear somebody just say, you know what, here's, here's, here's what Christmas is. And they give the gospel. 
the good news because this is actually what Christmas is. In fact, Paul gives us a great just two-verse summarization of what Christmas is, the why of Christmas. So Galatians 4, starting in verse 4, Paul writes this. It's just the, the whole summary of why Christmas. And this is what it says. It says, but when the fullness of time had come, meaning that at the right time, God looked down on the mess of humanity and said, you know what, now is the time for this to take place. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoptions as sons. You want to know the why of Christmas? This is it. To be adopted as sons and daughters, to be rescued from our sin. This is why Jesus came. This is why we celebrate Christmas. Our family, uh, this past week, we started our family Advent devotional. And um, so we had dinner and we sat down and we we went through this devotional together as a family. And uh, my kids have uh, this great Bible. It's called the Jesus Storybook Bible. And uh, if you don't have one of these, uh, we encourage you to get one of these for your kids. In fact, I think we have some down in Ridge Kids that if you want to see what one looks like, you can go down and take a look at it or have somebody show you. But anyway, just Amazon, it's great. Anyway, it's called the Jesus Storybook Bible. And like... I would probably read this thing just for myself because it's great. Like, it's really good. It, it takes the scripture and it takes the stories of the Bible and it kind of summarizes them, but it keeps very closely to the scripture so it's not like, you know, off base or anything. And then it's illustrated, so there's pictures, you know, which is great for me. Like, I love that part of it. So, they're like, it's really good. So, anyway, uh, this Advent devotional that we're using takes excerpts from the Jesus Storybook Bible and uses that within the devotional for the family. And a part of the devotional this past week for us, it sort of summarizes the end of, of Genesis 3 uh, in part of it. And, and what it says is, is it leads us up to the point, it says, hey, this, this is why Christmas, this is why we celebrate Christmas, is because Adam and Eve, who were deceived by Satan, they went to this tree that God said don't touch, and they took the fruit, and Eve ate it, and she gave some to Adam, and he ate it, and when that happened, sin entered into humanity. And it was because of that that the, this broken of, of perfection that God had set out for the world had now been corrupted by sin. And so Adam and Eve, part of their punishment was that they would be sent out from the garden themselves. But the Jesus Storybook Bible summarizes this, and I think it's just a beautiful picture of why we celebrate Christmas. So let me read this to you. It says this, on one page uh, of the Storybook Bible, it just says the end, and then dot, dot, dot. Then you flip the page over, and and this is what it says. Let me read it to you. It says, but not in this story. God loved his children too much to let the story end there. Even though he he, he knew he would suffer, God had a plan a magnificent dream. One day he would get his children back. One day he would make the world their perfect home again. And one day he would wipe away every tear from their eyes. You see, no matter what, in spite of everything, God loves his children with a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. And though they would forget him, run from him, deep in their hearts, God's children would miss him always and long for him. Lost children learning, yearning for their home. Before they left the garden, God whispered a promise to Adam and Eve. It will not be so. I will come to rescue you. And when I do, I'm going to do battle against the snake. 
I'll get rid of the sin and darkness and the sadness you let in here. I'm coming back for you. And he would. One day, God himself would come. I love that. It's like, that's it right there. That's, that is Christmas. So let's not get so wrapped up in the what that we overlook the why. And then last but not least, we have to celebrate the good news of Christmas. We have to celebrate the good news of Christmas. The angel that comes to, to David says to David in Matthew chapter 1 says, she will bear a son, talking about his uh, engaged, engagement to Mary, he says, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from his sins. And then in Luke chapter 2, to the shepherds, the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And then in John chapter 3, verse 17, it says that Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world, that the world might be saved through him. You see, all of those together, and those are just a few, but all of those together is what we call the gospel. The gospel is translated it to being good news. This is good news to us, that we have a Savior who has come to rescue us. You see, John Piper, I love what John Piper wrote. He's a pastor and writer. He said that Christmas is an indictment before it becomes a delight. It's an indictment before it becomes a delight, meaning that... that Christmas is a reminder to us that we needed a Savior because of the fall, because of our sin. We needed a Savior, so it becomes an indictment, but then it becomes a delight because then there's this good news that not only did we need a Savior, but God gave us a Savior. He gave us an opportunity to be rescued. And that, together, that is the good news of the gospel. And that in and of itself is amazing. And so it should cause us to worship the good news that Jesus left the comfort of heaven, took the form of man to come to be with us, to give himself up as a sacrifice. And that is worth celebrating. And what happens in our celebration is that it sort of works itself out in, in adoration and action. There's an adoration in action. The, the adoration is the thanksgiving, praise, prayer, and trust. And that's, that's what's happening right now in this service. Is we sang some songs where we're praising. We, we take steps of trust. We're, we're praying. In a few minutes as we sing a final song, we'll take communion as we do each week. These are things of adoration. But it doesn't end at Adoration. You see, Jesus, when he came to be with us, he didn't come to be with us so that we would look upon him and, and just worship him. He came to be with us, and that adoration actually leads us to action. The adoration leads us to action, and so the action plays itself out uh, in ways like um, how uh, Jesus leads us to, to serve, practice grace and mercy and justice, show generosity and care and concern for those around us. And so we celebrate the good news of Christmas. As we do this, we do so in adoration. But we also do it in action. So not only are we doing it in adoration now, we'll, we'll do it in action in just a few moments as we give generously, as we do the dollar club offering. Those things are part of the action that leads us to. I don't know what this season is like for you. Like, I don't know what this season will hold for you. 
I don't know what it's been like. I don't know, I don't know what it'll be like. I don't know what it's been like in the past. But regardless of those things, I encourage you this season to intentionally run to God this Christmas and not from Him. Because again, none of us will naturally just drift into celebrating Christmas without being intentional. There has to be an intentionality around it because everything in our culture pulls us away from it. And so we have to intentionally run to it. So as we sing a song here in just a moment and take communion, I just encourage you to, to consider these things, to intentionally seek Him versus being distracted by the things around Christmas. To focus on the why so that we don't miss the why. To celebrate the, the good news. And as, as we do that, um, that this Christmas season will be different for you. Like, maybe Christmas has always been great for you. I don't know. Like, you, you, like you do these things, and maybe it's always been great. But here, here's what I do know to be true, is that we can never get so close to Jesus that we're too close. Like, we can always get closer. We can always take another step. And so my heart prayer for you this Christmas season, for me, for my family, is that this Christmas season will be different than others, that it will be better than others. And I'm not talking about because we got better gifts or we had less family drama or any of that stuff. I'm talking about it's better because, like, it's just, it's just about Jesus. And it's about the why. And I know that for a lot of you, there's things going on around you and in your life that, that make this season difficult and makes it hard. Now, I'm not discounting those things by any means, what I, but what I am saying is that even in the midst of those things, that we can take a step to make this Christmas one of the best Christmases we've ever had, one of the best Christmases you've ever had. Would you pray with me? Father, we just thank you so much, Lord, for this time together, for your word. God, we thank you for, for this season. God, we thank you for your son, God, who you sent to us to rescue us. God, let us never lose sight of that. Let us never forget that fact. God, even in like August, God, let us be reminded of that fact that, that you came to be with us, that you left the comfort of heaven and you entered into the mess of humanity, God, just to save us, just to save us. So God, let that propel us to worship you, to honor you. God, to, to look into this season differently than, than we ever have before. God, for the songs that we sing. God, for the, the music that we hear. God, to, to, let us, to let it each one be uh, something new and fresh to us, God, that, that wells up with inside of us, God, uh, the, the yearning to worship you more than we have in the past. God, let the scriptures that we read, the story of your coming, God, the story of your second coming, God, let them, let them jump off the page to us, God, so that we see them in a fresh light, so that we experience them in a different way. God, that we see something new, God, that they, they speak deeper into our soul than they ever have before.
respond to the word this morning, as we respond to, to just this time together, there's communion available. The, the bread, the broken body of Christ, the, the juice that has, has poured out blood for us. And these things, this picture of communion is a reminder of the why of Christmas. This, this is why. This is why. So as you take communion this morning, let that be a reminder to you. Let it be, let it be like a, a line in the sand for you. That as you take communion today, that, that you're crossing over and that you're stepping into a different season, a different Christmas, that this Christmas is going to be different from any other. That you're going to step in closer to Christ this Christmas than you ever have before. And maybe for some of you, maybe that all sounds well and good, but like Christmas has just been Christmas. There's really been no uh, real reason to celebrate Christmas. Maybe this Christmas can be different because maybe this Christmas is the Christmas that, that you step into that adoption that Jesus has paid for you to become his son, his daughter, that you give your life to him, that you ask him to, to save you. Wouldn't that be amazing for you to share this spiritual birthday of sorts with the birthday of Christ? That you give your life to Jesus, even right now, where, where you are. You do that by simply just asking him to save you. I'm not going to tell you to repeat a prayer after me. I'm not going to make you jump through any kind of hoops or anything crazy like that. You just ask him to save you, and he does. He will. So as we respond to the words, we sing this song, or the song's called Waiting Here For You, and it's all about that anticipation, that, that waiting for Christ. So let that be our, our hope and our prayer this morning as you come and take communion. Would you stand to your feet as we sing, as we respond? If you want to come to the front and pray, somebody will meet you here. We have prayer partners available. There's Mike.